Barnes. Again, Australia worked the overlap with a long ball. Lou Reed. And away come. And what it's going to be the try for Kirtley Beale. And Wales have done it again. When the game was there to be won, they've handed it back to Australia. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Green and Gold Rugby Show for another week. That's the show that's getting you over the in line on the hottest topics of Australian rugby. It's me, Rugby Reg, on a gang tonight, and joining me is the one and only Hugh Cavill. How are you going, Hugh? I'm good, Reg. I'm good. Um, I'm here in full health, and, and uh, unlike certain other members of the podcast, um, yeah. uh, that, that are MIA tonight, but uh, I think we've got some good guests to make up for it. Yeah, exactly right. So, you know, no Matt Rowley tonight, who's forgotten that the Melbourne Cop Day, we're filming this obviously on, on the, the first Tuesday in November, massive racing carnival uh, in Melbourne. It is known as the race that stops a nation, but what Matt has forgotten, it doesn't stop green and gold rugby. So we shall plough on without him. Just a reminder that uh, you're coming to us via our regular podcast stream or via our website, Green and Gold Rugby, which is the home for all news on Australian rugby. But you also may be listening to us on Eon Sports Digital Radio, so we're thrilled to have you. And if you're looking for content content on rugby, either our news articles or old podcasts, the jump on the website, and it's all there, and uh, obviously in all the social media. So we do have some great guests for us uh, today joining us on the show. We have, uh, to give us a bit of insight onto the upcoming test series, uh, let's get to it. Joining us, though, uh, in lieu of Matt, a couple of experts to give us a kick along this weekend. The spring tour is all about to kick off. We've got the Wallabies taking on Wales, of course, and plenty of other rugby to come. So I'm, I'm not sure if we're going to call this an egg chaser crossover. Perhaps perhaps it's a rugby dungeon crossover. Uh, but regardless, we're thrilled to have him with us to give us a bit of that, that influence over there. It's JB. How are you, mate? Very well. Thanks, fellas. How are you? Going well, mate, and you've stacked the cards on your side too, because you've you've joined a uh, you've brought along a, a bit of an offsider with you uh, in Bryn. How are you going, mate? Very good, thanks, guys. How are you? Excellent, mate. So you got to talk us up, Bryn. What's your position here, mate? You're just uh, here to give JB a bit of uh, a backbone here, or what's the story? Exactly. I I watch the Welsh stuff, and uh, JB calls me up from time to time when the other guys are actually doing real life things like working. Well, I, I don't no. Uncle Tim's real life work work. <laughs> no, he works on radio. And he only works at night. No, no, it doesn't sound like it, mate. We we know how he feels, and we're uh, we're talking about work down here. We're we're avoiding it down here. It's Melbourne Cup day. Everyone's uh, stopped work many many hours ago. What's the Melbourne um, Cup? Uh, mate, Come it's on, the race that stops a nation, and it's uh, it's a big traditional horse race that uh, literally, well, at least in Victoria, the the state stops to watch the game, and across the country, um, nations uh, uh, workplaces just stop to watch this horse race at two o'clock and. And then go back to work, I guess. Really? <laughs> it's an oddity. How bizarre. Do you have to get permission for that? Or is that just racing horses whenever? No, mate. It's... it's uh, no, we... <laughs> yes, we do. I didn't see the start of it. I don't know if there's any foxes out there saying anything. But I'm sure there's some sort of permission granted along the way. Wow. So it's is the, that the same day of the, of the year? Because or... it's odd to be on a Tuesday, is it? Or not? Mate, it's first Tuesday in November. It's, it's oh, traditionally right, okay. that's always happened. It's part of this big spring racing carnival. But look, let's get we're getting yeah, off track yeah. here, mate. We are such pros. Now. We're on at national radio now, JB. That's probably changed since the last time um, uh, we got together earlier this year for the England series. So it uh, has changed. Got... But as an avid listener yeah. of Green and Gold, every week without fail, I actually already knew that. Yeah, you guys are absolutely killing it. 
Oh, well, we'd like to think so. Um, but uh, let's get let's get to it. We got to, so we've also the big test this week, this weekend. Wales uh, facing uh, the Wallabies. Um, mm-hmm. Hugh, why don't you start us off, mate? Let's have a look at the bit of the Wallabies and uh, expectations. Is some interesting machinations this weekend around selections. Obviously, Samu Karevi being out, indications that Izzy might finally get a start at 13. Czech is pretty conservative with his teams usually, but you reckon we might see some changes this week? Well, well, Reg, we've, we've just heard that um, Will Genia looks like he's going to be out as well, uh, not with uh, being given uh, permission to leave Stade Francais due to it not being in an international window. But... Um, Look, the Wallabies are shaping up pretty to be a pretty interesting sort of lineup. I think we've got um, uh, a few real question marks hanging over the team. Whether Michael Checker decides to shake it up uh, after the Rugby Championship, and and you know what you would consider probably a bit of a failure in that in that tournament. And I think against the All Blacks, we saw a, a pretty young physical forward pack, and I'd be surprised if he goes away from that. But with Samu Karevi, Karevi being injured now, it frees up a space in the back line and. Uh, you you wonder if uh, yeah Israel Folau might move to thirteen, Dane Hallett Petty might get a start at fullback and um and you know we we, we see someone like Henry Spade or Stefan Ivalu uh, start on the wings but um yeah it, it's a it's a bit mysterious at the moment Reg um you know our form for, for JB and Bryn I'm not sure how much of the rugby championship you guys got to watch but uh, look certainly we we probably continued our pretty mediocre form that we showed against England. Um, and it's hard against the All Blacks. We got one mm. three zip in, in in that series, and you know we were really competing with South Africa and Argentina for the scraps of second, which we just got. Um, not not in a particularly stylish manner, but we got there in the end. So, look, I, I don't know what to expect out of the Wallabies. Whether the fatigue of a long season starting to get to them, um, or whether they whether they you know they're still up for it and uh, as the a spring tour and a prospect of a Grand Slam and and all of this sort of stuff and an opportunity to redeem what's been a pretty lacklustre season so far. It, it might see them come out come out firing. I'm not sure. Geez, I hope we stop talking about a Grand Slam. You know, let's just look look at the test this week. I, you know, we, we harked back previously, previous Grand Slam attempts. We sort of lost it in the first game. But, mate, you'd, you'd like to think there'll be a bit of enthusiasm. You know, you get on to, uh, you get away. I know we're off to New Zealand one week and South Africa for a couple of weeks. But, mate, this is a tour now. They've got to get together and, and bond as a team. And they've brought in this young blood. We've got these development guys, JB and Bryn, um, mm. which you won't see in the field, which is unfortunately, but you'll you'll see them in the Wallabies in a few years' time. Just super young players, Isaiah Parisi, Taniela Tupo, the, the Tongan Thor you would have heard about, um, and a couple of other guys, uh, Andrew Kempsey and, and uh, Jack Dempsey, are all super players, but they're, we're copying the All Blacks as per usual, and they're coming over just to train with the Wallabies. So, you know, a bit of that sort of enthusiasm might give guys a, a bit of a lift. Um, guys, have you watched the Wallabies? Any expectations from them this weekend? Well, to be fair, I had watched them pretty consistently until Bledisloe yeah. 3. And I think I was probably with you and the rest of the world. I, I'd given up by then. I thought, look, if they win, I'll catch it on record. If they don't, I've not missed anything because that's basically how it's going. And I sort of also thought that I I think the biggest danger facing us now with Australia coming over is not actually Australia. It's the All Blacks. Because... Mm. The All Blacks have basically distorted the whole rugby market. We don't know who's good and who's bad. We don't. I'm now sitting here in the comfort of my own home, thinking, "Wait a second, Australia are terrible, Argentina are terrible, and South Africa are terrible, and they're not. The All Blacks are just really, really good." And I think that's what's going to be the surprise is when these teams come over and we realise, "Oh, hang on a minute, they're not bad in any way. It's just they've been made to look bad recently." 
Yeah, I think it's a good point there, mate. I think, and I'm sorry if you didn't catch up with that third one. We actually played pretty decently in that third one. There was a that normal period in the last quarter, and the All Blacks ran away. But we we were up with them at half time, and and even for the first ten minutes of the second half, we played well and some some good, you know. And that was with without, without Will Genia too. So you know, Genia is out. I think we probably anticipated that. But I um, thought it was the best your attacks looked for for a while. To be honest, it looked like things were coming together. I know uh, Falau looked good, and uh, yeah. And the ten is the best I've seen him play for a while throughout the championship. I just thought he looked he looked really good. Yeah, it's an interesting conundrum for us at ten, isn't it? Yeah. Hugh, we sort of put the theory out last week that um, you know there's a bit of Quaid love around the place, and I think most people think he's probably done better at ten this year so far, taking away that third Bledisloe. But uh, you know the theory is that. When Genia doesn't play, when Phipps starts, you've got to start Foley at 10. Those yeah. two got the combination, and it actually has a bit of a spin on, and Folau plays better outside. Yeah, I mean, I think you'd be you'd be mad to go away from Phipps and Foley um, after what they showed in Bledisloe 3, Reg, um, you know, yeah. which was probably the, the the best 10 performance we've seen, and, and Nick Phipps held his own as well. So, look, um, yeah, look, uh, in, in many ways, the, 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 um, the pressure's kind of... Well, I don't know if the pressure's off the Wallabies, but um, they've certainly. I'm not sure if there's that expectation there around their performance, and 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 you know, with the. I mean, can we start talking about the hoodoo for Wales? I mean, what's it? Yeah, 13, yeah, let's Twelve starts, thirteen starts, fifteen. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, we. I, I thought it was it's, eleven it's or twelve, but it could be more. Yeah, it's. It was two, <laughs> 2008 was yeah. the last win, I reckon. Yeah, I mean, you're going to be in good shape because you can come over here. You can potentially get two or three good wins and then hopefully avenge the English defeat. Yeah. Yeah. Wales are notoriously slow starters as well. So having Australia first up isn't ideal for us because you guys will be, be in your swing a little bit. Um, and I know you lost the last game, but off a good performance, I think, yeah, you might catch Wales a little bit cold, although they have got a very settled side, which... They have, haven't they? And yeah. do you know... it? I don't know how much emphasis to put on the fact that we don't have Gatland. Is this going to be a good thing? Is it going to be a bad thing? Is a break as good as a change? I just don't know. Also, I don't know what type of Wales side we're going to see. Hey, so talk us through what, what's Gatland? So is Howley taking the yeah, lead now? Gatland's is Gatland in Lions mode? On a one-year sabbatical uh, with the Lions. Yeah, so, right. so Howley will be head coach. Um, uh, okay. And that doesn't, that doesn't fill me with great optimism, although he did orchestrate probably Wales's best win in the last 10 years when we beat England 30 points to three. Yeah. He was in charge of that when we won the Six Nations. Um, yeah, right. So he, he is he is capable of getting big performances. The good thing for Wales is that with it being a Lions year, there's a lot of pedigree players there that will want to perform well, and they know yep. that their big shot window now is this, this autumn, because yeah. they'll be under a lot of pressure from England and Ireland. Their, their players... Um, played so well in the Six Nations that a lot of Wales players need to stand up this autumn, and the only way they can do that is if they pick up scalps against Australia or South Africa. Yeah, so I, I think there's actually two things going on here for Wales. Like Bryn alluded to before, they are a very settled side, so there'll be no surprises for Australia who the big performers are um, and what you're going to see. The downside to that, of course, is there is an argument to say that this Welsh team is getting a little bit long in the tooth, and you know, as a national fan, you want to see a turnover of players. I just don't see that from Wales. Mm. Absolutely. The problem with Wales, their greatest strength is also their greatest weakness. So Wales have got 
so many settled players like Jamie Roberts, Jonathan Davis, uh, Dan Bigger, Toby Falatau. They've all been around the block since the 2011 World Cup. But what we found is while that's good enough to finish um, towards the top of the Six Nations table and be competitive against the Southern Hemisphere sides, our stumbling block has been that we can't get over the line against the Southern Hemisphere sides. So in Wales has been an outcry for a more attacking play to change things up, to go away from this so-called Warren ball. Um, yeah. And I just don't think we're going to see it this autumn, unfortunately. I don't, because I, I don't think we're equipped for it either. Uh, you, you look at the impact Eddie Jones has made with England and he's just transformed them overnight. And, and Warren Gatlin's been with Wales since 2008. And, you know, we've got a very talented pool of players mm. there. And it's just he's just not brought it into fruition against the Southern Hemisphere sides. And I just don't know what the answer is, to be honest. So one of the standouts from that All Black series was Liam Williams. Is he is, is he injured? Is he going to be playing this weekend? Or it, it's unlikely he's going to be playing. Oh, I've heard that he is. I've heard there's an in, injury doubt, but do we not know yet? He, he's an injury doubt. It's looking like it's going to be Hallen Amos, George North and Lee Halfpenny. Um, and then yep. Liam Williams, as you said, was the standout player in that. In, especially in attack. Wales defensively, etc. are solid. you know, But they need a bit of X factor. And Liam Williams is one of those players. Um, who, 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 who can change a game? Uh, and without him, I worry about how we're going to score points against mm. against uh, against Australia. Although Rhys Webb, the nine, is dynamite. Yeah, and he is in exceptional form at the moment. So I'm looking forward to see him. He's that definitely one to look out for. I was just going to say those the Wallabies have always struggled with those little nippy nines. You know, you go back to all the teams that have struggled with us, and and the nines get us. I don't know where it's the forwards just lazy around the base or whatever, but the nines really play up on us. Yeah. Well, Hugh, what about? Yeah, go on, Jamie. Yeah, well, I mean, we're actually quite quite lucky for nines because in the World Cup we didn't have three swept. And really, what is he? He's like a better a better version of Gareth Davis. They both play fairly similar ways. Reese Webb is incredibly powerful and lightning mm. fast, but he's actually quite mm. big too. He's what about six two? No, I don't think he's that big. He's he's a, he's a classy he? player though. He's got great delivery from the base. Gareth Davis is more explosive around the ruck. He's ideal to come off the bench with sort of 20 minutes to go and try and break the game up. The problem with Wales is making sure they're in the game with 20 minutes to go. Yeah. And and you've got to feel like they've got to build a lead on Saturday if if they um if they want to win. If Australia hit their straps early, Wales are going to be up against it. And then if it's tight with 20 minutes to go, Australia have stolen the game from us so many times in the past yeah. five or six seasons that you know those demons are just going to come straight into Wales's mentality and and we just won't get the job done and Australia will so we feel like we've got to get away into a lead um, and and just stay out in in front. Can I just ask you boys a quick question? Yep. Yeah. Who do you think is your midfield combination coming into this? Because there was uncertainty all through Bledisloe. Uh, Reese Hodge was an option for a while. Karevi's uh, out. Uh, so, who do you think is most likely to step in? You take this one, Hugh. Well, yeah, I, I don't know, JB. It's a, that's a bit of the question mark. Um, Checo has been on record as saying that Israel Folau is going to get some time at thirteen. Whether that's in the first game up or or, or he sits back and and waits. I mean, I, you, I mean, I think only two people in my mind are playing thirteen, and that's probably. Um, Israel Folau or Tavita Kurandrani, mm. um, who's obviously got got the runs on the board, but hasn't had the best season this year, but still, you know, is waiting in the wings there from Karevi. And, and I think 
I'd be surprised if Checker moved Reese Hodge away from twelve. I think yeah. he put him in there for that for that third blood zone. I think he'll give him some time in that jersey. Didn't get many chances in that game, and you know I, I don't think he he was too bad with the time he had. He wasn't outstanding, but you get the impression with a bit more time and space. Hopefully, you you assume he'll get that against Wales as opposed to against the All Blacks. So. Uh, we might be able to get a bit of a better gauge on, on where he's at in that jersey. But, uh, Reg, would you agree with that? Yeah, mate, I think Hodge will be 12, and that'll be a pretty interesting battle. I assume Jamie Roberts is likely to start at 12 well, that for is, you guys. That's a million-dollar question. I mean, I would say he's the favourite, but I think there's a lot of voices out there calling for a change. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. He's got to be getting on in years, hasn't he, Jamie Roberts? He's going to be 30. No, he's still, still in his 20s, just mm, about. I would say he's probably 30. Is he now. really? No, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure really? he's 28, 29. In fact, I'd put my house on it. He made his debut in 2008 against Scotland, and he was young then, so if he was 19... He came, he came in against Scotland 19, didn't he? Yes, maybe he's a little he bit. Maybe he's a is little. 29. Yeah, wow. His birthday is one week today and he turns 30. So happy birthday to Jamie for next week. But he is 29. <laughs> yeah. So pl- plenty of rug- rugby in him left. He has run into brick walls for nine seasons, though. That So he's probably like yeah. a 36 year old in, that, in rugby he looks terms. Like he's... Do you remember when he ran into um, Sterling Mortlock? It must have been 2009. Broke his skull. Broke his skull and carried <laughs> on playing for 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough combination. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Checker coming out today saying all the the reports on the rugby.com.au website talk about Falau might be a front runner for thirteen. I generally feel they're used as a bit of a, a leak method. So I'll be really fascinated to see if he gets a run at thirteen uh, there. Kurundrani is an obvious one, but I, they've been wanting to do Falau for thirteen for a while, and I just think these tours are sometimes their chance to to try things a bit differently away from the the prying Australian eyes. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Where would there. you like to see Falau? Um, oh, oh, it's a really you know he's got a bit of flack on our side of late for his form, and, and like you say, Bryn, he he actually played pretty decently in that um, in that last game. The benefit, I think, he plays better with Foley and Phipps together, yeah. and and he had a really good season for the Tars this year at 13 outside that combination. So I'm really quite intrigued to see him have a run at 13. I also like the idea of of Hallett Petty getting more space at 15, where he tore it up at Super Rugby, yeah. and then you've got and I don't know who'll be wings. I'm guessing it'll be Henry Spite and and um, uh, Sefa Nayavalu, who I don't know if you guys have seen much, but he just made his Wallaby debut this year. He's just been eligible. Is that the guy um, from Waratahs? Sorry, is that the Waratahs fella? No, no, that's that's Tekele Nairavoro. This guy's um, uh, from Melbourne Storm, uh, Melbourne Rebels. Sorry, so he's um, ah, okay. The there. But he's lightning quick, super fast, really good finisher. So um, I'd love to see him get some space outside that sort of backline. Yeah, well, bit I... of a bit of a Freudian bit of a Freudian slip there, Reggie, yeah, with the Melbourne Storm. That's another that's a, that's another member of our squad. Uh, who's yeah. come straight from rugby league, guys. I don't think you'll be ah. seeing him this week, though. Well, yeah, we were talking about him this week on Egg Chasers. Tell me about this guy. All right, so this guy is another of these. Uh, he moved to Australia, I think, in 2012. He's Fijian. I obviously played all his uh, you know, sport as, as rugby in Fiji, came and signed straight to league. I, I think he played West Tigers. Is that right, Hugh, for a little while? Uh, I think so, yeah. 
Yeah, so I think he, one of those guys had a good season, a poor season, then got taken into this uh, Melbourne Storm setup. And the Melbourne Storm are one of the, the best run, um, probably, football clubs in Australia of any code. Their coaching structures, the development style, uh, you know, the network they've got, and, and, and the support they've got for their players is really positive. And they develop these great players, and they also sort of almost reinvigorate players. And, and he's. Um, I don't watch a lot of NRL, but you watch the highlights tape, and he's got particular skill. But uh, he's good mates with Neavolo, uh, who also plays yeah. down there for the Rebels. So, um, you know, he's got some good speed. He's got some sort of rugby background. Um, I've got a significant issue with the selection that he's in the Wallaby squad, having not played any rugby in Australia at all. I think it's a big slap in the face to, to those who have. But, uh, you know, there's no talk of him playing tests yet. It'll be a massive call for him to do that from the training paddock. But who knows? Yeah, weird one. Well, they've done it in England with Sam Burgess and it didn't work out too well. At least he has some game time, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He played a, a couple of games and, you know, we, we've talked about that. And even, you know, Wendell Saylor and Lottie Dekiri and Matt Rogers, who were... By my, you know, by my reading of it, were much better rugby league players than this guy is. Yeah. Um, you know, they'd played for their country, they'd played for their state. They had to go through the system. They played Super Rugby and a little bit of sevens to fall, sort get their feet. Whereas this guy sort of played a grand final three weeks ago, and all of a sudden he's in the Wallabies. So it's a, oh, it's a, it's a huge I, one. I remember Wendell Saylor picking up a ball on the touchline, pretty much on Wales's own try line, and then scoring on a turnover. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, uh, devastating. I that too. Yeah, it's it's the hope that kills you. <laughs> yep. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, but, what about your guys? What's your expectation for the other side? Any key players you're most concerned about that you, you think can, you know, can be the danger man? Hmm. Well, from the Australian side, my biggest concern. I don't know what, what brings is. My biggest concern is, like I said before, is this hidden factor. I think you're probably a lot better than the general public are giving you credit for. And in fact, most sports writers, because you're, you're playing the best in the world. And I just worry that, that when you land here, you're going to turn it on. There's going to be a load of players who I really rate. I'm glad you mentioned uh, Howlett Petty. Yep. I see him yep. almost as like the Australian Liam Williams. He just comes out, yep. over and plays. So that is my biggest danger, is that you're completely underrated. Like you alluded to before, that Australia can take this tour as a bit of a breath of fresh air. You know they've come under under fire. They've they've played England, who were who were in red hot form mm. during um, our summer, obviously all winter tour. Um, mm. Then you've come up against an absolute buzzsaw in New Zealand, who are just cutting through everyone. You're on a loss to nothing with South Africa because they're just in disarray at the moment. So I I think they'll be quite glad to put put the rugby championship behind them, come on tour, and um, sort of bookmark their season and play these teams and as you said with no pressure on them no expectation yeah. they're going to be a dangerous dangerous proposition i think i completely agree with that completely agree with it and also you know hey, what about you? yeah go on oh, and also you know we've got 12 10 or 12 years of history of backing this up as well exactly <laughs> Indeed, we'll keep it going for another more year. Uh, Hugh, what about you from the Welsh perspective? Anyone, uh, you know, without having seen the team yet, that you're particularly concerned about? Well, you know, it's it's those old stages that that just keep cropping yeah. up, and we know are great players. You know, Alan Wynne Jones, to- Toby Falatau, um, and I'm not sure actually sure if Toby Falatau's not injured, He's but um, injured. Yeah, yeah, Jamie Roberts, George George North, um, yeah, these guys that have you know, and 
it's funny. It's it's the most misleading who to win sport because it's not like there's been they've been blowout games at any stage along the way. Yeah, they've all exactly. been close. Yeah. So you know, it's I think back to that World Cup game, and we should have probably lost that game. In fact, we definitely should have lost that game. Um, and again, those those experienced stages who feels like they're in their forties in my mind, but it turns <laughs> out still in their bloody twenties. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're, they're um they're they're coming out of the they're coming out. And, and they're still really, really good players, and they've got that experience. And that edge probably is, counts for more than it ever does, given this Australian team, especially in the forward pack, is, is very inexperienced. I'll just give you one guy, actually, who is a new fella to the team, who Australia, Australian listeners may not have heard of. And he'll probably get a start this week. He started before, Ross Moriarty. I, I do remember the name. How, how long ago did he make his way into the team? Well, or the squad, I guess. World Cup, he was in the squad. Yeah, so he got called yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. He actually played age grade for England. His his he comes from a bit of a a, a Welsh rugby dynasty of a family, to be honest. Um, but he, he played age grade in England, um, and it was a bit of a bit of a um, coup for Gatlin to get him to to play for Wales. Yeah, um, and he just made a big impact with Falatau out. He could be the one to look out for. I'm quite excited about the Welsh back row. Warburton's out. We know what Warburton does. He gets over the ball, makes his tackles, but he's quite a stodgy player. Um, whereas yep. they're going to be picking Tipurik at seven, and he might suit Wales. He might suit Wales's play against Australia because he's much more of a link man. Gets in the outside channels. He's got gas to burn. Um, so him along with Moriarty might bring something different. Yeah. Um, that the Australian might not have seen so much from Wales. But the question is whether Howley actually picks Moriarty at eight or whether he goes for someone more conservative. Like, I think he will, like a James King. Do you reckon he'll do James King? I, I don't think he will. I think he'll go with Moriarty. But Dan Baker? I don't think Dan ba- Baker deserves a start, to be honest. They might even look at Lydia at eight. I think it's going to be Lydia or Moriarty at eight, personally. Yeah, I would agree with that. Mate, well, let's go Let's go back with another sort of unheralded one. Lottie Tama- uh, Tamani. So, I'm, I, I guess he's got to be number eight. We still don't know the back row. Pocock's back fit now he came off the bench versus the all blacks but Labetti tamani who um young sort of back row played a bit of lock for the again for the the uh, the melbourne team um played has played the last two tests i think at number eight after coming off the bench and he's really impressed me here i mean his work rates he's a big lump of ladies you know another sort of um wycliffe palu or hopefully todd ikefu um but his, his work rate's really impressive i think he's you know gone close to the top of the tackle count and he's becoming more and more productive in his runs too so i i tamani's a name i'd like to throw in it's a big call and because he's so young this will be his fourth test if he starts um but I like the look of him, and that, and that background itself. Hooper will be six; it will be seven. Um, it's whether Pocock comes in, whether Dean Mum starts a blindside. Uh, what, what do you reckon? You anyone else? We reckon we should give away our secrets. Oh yes, well, we're we're very in the inner circle, as everyone knows. Well, Dean Mum's. I mean, that register suggested Dean Mum, who's actually suspended for this game. Oh, good. Shows good, you out. <laughs> you know, I I, um, I yeah. find it amazing. You know how much you guys do not particularly like Dean Mum. When he's over, <laughs> when he was over here at Exeter, I thought honestly, I thought he was one of the best second rows in the world. I thought he was superb. Maybe the world's a bit strong, but certainly the Premiership. 
I thought he's head and shoulders above so many others. I've got to say, my heart sank when you said that uh, Pocock's going to be back fit for this tour because he just seems to deliver against Wales more than any player I've ever seen. Yeah. The amount of turnovers he gets, he just seems to... I know he's a class player, but he just seems to have outstanding games against Wales all the time. What about Leroy? Are we going to see him again? Uh, no. No. Not a fan but, of Leroy. Yeah, Leroy... Um, can I? How about this one, uh, Hugh? I'm looking forward to the the uh, battle between Adam Coleman, who's our new raw bound lock, and Alan Wynne Jones, who uh, <laughs> the old head won't take a backward step there. Yeah, Coleman is um, two metres four. He's from Tasmania, so he's a really unique sort of upbringing. Um, but he's been really impressive this year. But he doesn't. He likes to get niggle. He likes the niggle. He did that versus the All Blacks and and so on. This this all series. He did it versus the Poms' chances as well. So. His uh, little niggle with Alan Wynne-Jones will be something to enjoy too, I reckon. Uh, I don't think Alan Wynne-Jones does niggle, boys. I think he's uh, too wise for that. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I mean. That's what I'm half looking forward to. That's, that, that's, that's exactly what the old bulls should be doing to the young bulls. So we'll see how it goes. Awesome. Uh, boys, all right. I, I'm going to have yep. to write down all of these notes and hand them over to Warren Gatland, who me and Bryn need yep. to get on a train and go and see now. And that isn't even a joke. That's what we're doing. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a, it's a Lions kit launch today with Canterbury. So uh, we've got some access to, to Warren Gatland. So we're going to take your inside information and scupper your tour. How do you like that? Uh, <laughs> thanks, mate. We could have led with that what? from the start, mate. Yeah, we should have. But I, did, I didn't want to give you the impression that, that we're really big shots. So. <laughs> where, where can I hear that interview, JB? Give us, give us a plug. Uh, you can hear that interview more than likely today on Facebook Live, if I can sneak in my Facebook Live at Mevo. Other than that, we'll get something up on Rugby Dungeon, which is at the Rugby Dungeon, or on Egg Chasers, which is at Rugby Podcast. Probably Rugby Podcast, but we will see. Uh, check out both podcasts. They're both excellent. Hey, mate, I loved your James Haskell one last week, or the mo- if that's the most recent one. That was a, a cracker as well. A big fan of the podcast, but really enjoyed that one as well. Yeah, and we are ma- ma- massive fans of your work over here. So keep it up, lads. Absolutely. It's good stuff. Good stuff. All right, JB, thanks for uh, joining us can, and Bryn too. Go on, Hugh. Hopefully we can finally record one next week where we're not groveling uh, uh, as losers, please, <laughs> just once. I think uh, yeah, I, I think this time the shoe's going to be very much on the other foot and uh, that's why I'm not quite as bullish as I was with the with, with the England matchup. But that that's when I'm going to feed you to Phil and Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> At very least... Can we find a Scottish podcaster or someone that we can maybe tee up well, if we just need to get that desperate to beat Scotland? Yeah. You know? What about a French? What about a French barbarian? Aren't we playing the French barbarians? That's probably our best yeah, chance of a win. I don't yeah. think you've actually got Scotland this time round, have you? Yeah, we do. We've got the Grand Slam plus France. Oh, do you? Oh, well, in yeah. that in that case, I'll have a chat chat with you later. I've I've got just the guys right. just the guys for you. Good stuff. <laughs> All right, All right boys. lads. Thanks for joining thanks, us. Thanks, gents. Take care. Bye bye. Take care. Great stuff to Jay and Bryn. Thanks again for joining us. And, and like they say, get onto their podcast and social media and all that sort of stuff and follow them there. Look, we uh, obviously have a bit of a different podcast this week. We're not doing the uh, five burning questions. What we're going to do next with Hugh and I is now these the fast five, I guess we'll call them. We're going to just cut through five quick questions and uh, give our opinion on them and we'll take it from there. You can join us in the comment section of the blog or on social media at GAGR at Twitter all the other areas as well. So first question, Hugh, this one comes straight to you. 
new ownership structure proposed for the force where the uh, the fans can buy in. It's Green Bay Packers. Uh, it's a few examples around the place. Can it work in Australian rugby? Well, it's interesting, isn't it, Reg? I think it's, what, $1,000 a pop, is it? And, yep. Yep. and they're selling 5000 Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's a pretty interesting idea, and I wonder if this is a bit of a test balloon being floated out by the ARU about uh, about the force. And you know, you you feel like uh, the the word seems to be there on their on their dying sort of on their deathbed. But if there's a really good response, and this is the thing that we're always told that the people out west, and we we get a lot of them on this show, and we love them, but uh, they're really passionate about their footy, and there's a really committed following over there. So I think this is really putting putting the rubber to the road and, and seeing how committed they are because uh, if they can uh, open up open up their wallets and, and pitch in to help out the team, then, then yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. I mean, if I was uh, uh, someone from the West and looking to put my money behind it, though, I, I would probably need some guarantee that maybe the team is not going to uh, leave after a year and go somewhere else. That, that, that might be the thing that holds it back from investment because uh, – you know, it seems like a very, very uh, expensive uh, one-season membership if that's what you pay yeah. for for a thousand dollars, and you'd want a, an, a slice of pie that, you know, a, a piece of pie that's not going to go off after a year, essentially, Reg. Um, but yeah, you know, it really yeah. to see how it goes. Yeah, so it's just like a one-year membership, isn't it? It's like an expensive membership. They want to raise five, $5 million, I think, perhaps to buy their IP back from the ARU, but that can't be right. It's the ARU doing it. The ARU run the force now, so. Um, but they also there's I think there's voting rights. Uh, uh, they'll uh, new boards set to be created, and certificate holders will be elected to sit with representatives of Rugby WA and the Australian Rugby Union on that board. So that's that's a really interesting aspect to it too. There's actual physical buy-in to the direction of where um, rugby in the West is going. That's got to be a, a massive appeal. So um, uh, you know there's a bit of talk going around about the force being cut, but the other talk that's sort of coming through the ranks now is is perhaps the Brumbies. I mean. You, you talk about the, you know, the ge- geographic location, the equidistant between Melbourne and Sydney. Um, they're not, they just got Super Rugby Team of the Year, I guess, but that was almost by default. But um, they've, uh, they've got to be under the gun as well, I would have thought. Oh, you, you, surely not the Brumbies, though, really? Like, I don't, uh, I mean, yeah, look, there are issues with their governance that we've been speaking about here, big issues with their governance, but they're, you know, it's a, it's a short tradition, but it's a bloody good one, and there's a, yeah, you know, their, their crowd numbers there have never been outstanding, but they've, again, much like the West, they've got a committed following. And the thing that separates them from the force is that on-field success, you know. They've actually got a really good record of, 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 of consistency over the past sort of 10, 15, 20 years. And that the other teams, super teams, would really would really crave. And, and surely, you know, given their proximity to Sydney and Melbourne, um, the, and their ability to, to still attract talent, and, and there's still good talent coming out of that Canberra region from through high schools and that sort of thing. So, geez, that'd, that'd be a well. Let's hope it never comes to to that. I mean, let's hope all the teams exactly. stay in their current places. I mean, that's that's what we want to see. Yeah, mate, and, and I maintain the finance stuff is huge, and maybe that's something we should talk about. The amount of money English rugby's throwing around. Maybe we'll talk about that in the weekend to in the lead into the English game, but. I don't think the depth is an issue. I maintain we've got enough good players. It's the structures and the coaching around that's that's letting us down at the moment. And um, you know, cutting teams isn't going to help that. We've just got to work harder to to get it right, unfortunately. Yeah, and and it'll be interesting to see how Dave Wessels goes this year. I mean, look, we're, I don't think anyone's particularly uh, 
thrilled with that appointment in the sense that, you know, we were hoping for a, a big name international or someone with pedigree, you know, success overseas. But, I mean, look, he, he's, he's got that, you know, they've got that per spirit team that, that's obviously, you know, got some success. And they're, they're looking to stand. There's a few little signings that, that might be percolating through out of the NRC uh, that I've heard about that uh, a few of the X7s guys especially might be looking at yep. a guy like Sam Fig and Con Foley. And these are guys that, yep. you know, if, if they can build that depth, and that's always been their problem. They've, you know, maybe, you know, they have got a few top-end talented players, but once they have one or two injuries, and inevitably they'll seemingly be plagued by them, and then all of a sudden they're plucking blokes out of Perth grade. And, and, and yeah. you know, and that, that you just can't compete with that. So if they can keep building this depth and get those guys in, which we've seen in the NRC, you know, they've got the players there, they've got the talent, so, you know, who knows, yep. and, and, and one good season could could really turn the whole thing around. Yeah, indeed. Look, the other big news this week in our next Fast Five is the free-to-air coverage of the uh, Wallaby Tour. In short, it's not happening. There's uh, At this stage, I think there's only three games that's going to be covered on BN Sports on as part of the Fox Sports package. Um, but it looks like there's a couple of games there that may potentially not even be on at all. Mate, did, this is blowing my mind. I can't believe it's happening. Yeah, it's it's bizarre, isn't it? I, I kind of understand maybe that why Channel 10 aren't forking out the dollars for something that's going to yeah. air at 3 in the morning. In the morning um, yeah. You know, it's not... I mean, it doesn't hugely concern me from a wider public, you know, we want... But, yeah. but from my... Speaking out of my own hip pocket here, Reg, I'm... Not sure how I'm going to see the games now. I, I, I kind of rely on that free-to-wear coverage as someone who doesn't have Foxtel, and I know you, you're in the same boat as I am. Yep. But, um, it, it, it's it's a bit strange, isn't it? I can't. I, and it's certainly not a good sign at all. And you hope those England and France games, being you probably suggested the two big, the two biggest games of the tour, or, or maybe not. Well, you know, they, they might be the two most attractive ones in Australia that, that, that they will get picked up. I mean, to think an Australia-England game after the series that we've had with Eddie Jones and all that stuff, yes, I mean, yes. surely that's got to... I mean, it's all a bit, a bit of silence uh, from the ARU and from the networks on this, so you hope that that means that things are going on behind the scenes. But as I understand it, Reg, it's a, it's a rights issue in the in the UK and that sort of thing. It's not... I don't think the, the uh, ARU really have that much control. Yeah, it's the home union. Unions, they sell the rights, and they've sold it on, and BN Sport have, have sort of got the pay TV. And, and I think the, um, yeah, like you say, the free to airs just weren't interested. But let's hope that there's some sort of replay, maybe a 10 o'clock Sunday morning replay or something, because I, I, I can't I can't believe that there'll be a Wallaby test on that I won't be able to watch at all. So we'll have to move on. But I, it's it's a shock. I know the ARU are trying to, to resolve that some way or the other, but how much how much say they've got in the matter, we just don't know. Um. Let's uh, John Eels medal this week, uh, uh, Hugh. There's a few uh, announcements there, obviously, but the big one was Michael Hooper winning the John Eels medal. The big one, I think that was his second time. Uh, any surprise to you in that one? Well, I mean, I suppose it was a little bit in the sense that he's, as we've discussed, Reg, he's a he's a pretty divisive player on our on our side, isn't he? Um, and uh, but I suppose it's a it's a reward for that consistency. He's just I can't remember a player. Um, with who just p- turns in so many good performances week after week after week, you never sit there going, "Geez, I don't think I've ever uttered the phrase." Michael Hooper had a shocker. He's just is is a machine, and so I'm not really privy to the inside of the voting and, and that sort of a thing. But uh, you know, where where others had probably moments of flashes of brilliance, uh, Hooper just kept on going. And now, interestingly enough, um, 
he's got two John Eels medals and, and David Pocock only has one. So um, read into that uh, what you will. But, uh, you know, I, th- I think Pocock's obviously suffered with that injury and, and, and a few other things. But, uh, yeah, obviously the players certainly rate Hooper and, and I think it's mainly a player's player vote. Yeah, it's one of those interesting things. Parley always used to surprise uh, most people on the blog by, I think he won, won at least once, but also finished up high most times when most people were prepared to write him off and, and cut him from the Wallaby team. It's, you know, like you say, the players play. It's a, it's a different dimension in, in terms of what you're looking for. The guy next to you, the guy's doing all the hard work, the guy's probably even saying the positive stuff during the game and those little little moments that, that turn again. So, look, Hoop is... Uh, He's a wonderful player. He's so resilient. He's played so many games for the Wallabies, and if, if nothing else, that gives them a fairly handy head start in such a vote. The the other main ones, Dane Hallett-Petty getting uh, Rookie of the Year, which I think is fair enough. Ten debutants just this year. I don't know. If, I don't think we would have had any last year in the World Cup, so that's pretty substantial. But he's been one of the the, the standouts all year, and then the likes of Sean McMahon getting the Super Rugby Player of the Year, and Reese Hodges the Super Rugby Rookie of the Year. So. A strong, uh, that's interesting, Western Australia and a couple of Melbourne players there getting those awards. So uh, some uh, good opportunities for them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, good to see as well. I mean, Drew Mitchell, try of the year too. I mean, what a that was a lay down was there to win it. But uh, how good was that try? I go reliving that brilliant uh, uh, game, match winner against Argentina, well, which Adam Ashley Cooper ended up scoring, but Mitchell was, uh, you know, uh, ran through the Argentinian defence. Uh, that's have you seen his? Did you see his acceptance video? I did not. I don't know. I'm not sure where to find oh, it. Mate. All right. Well, well, I'll have to. We'll have to put it on the 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 blog post for this. But it's it's a cracker. He he accepts from France, and he, his his great line was. Um, Big thanks to the Ford pack who managed to get that rolling more going three meters forward for me to just finish off the final sixty meters of the effort. So um, <laughs> it was it was a, a good effort. So um, uh, he's he's got a bit of. Bit of cut charm of Adam Drury, and it was uh, it was all there for showing the show. Um, look, the other big news, couple big news, was Bernie Larkin finishing up at the Brumbies. I think he's going to see off next year and then transition full time into that Wallaby role. Uh, we've had a bit of chat about Steve Larkin and his, I guess, coaching credentials and so on. What's your feel on this one? I don't know, Reg. I I don't know. I mean, you you think that. Uh you know, he's probably going to be the next coach of the Wallabies, and that, and that might be, you know, three years away, or you hope it's it's a long time away, given uh, Michael Checker's contract runs through to the next World Cup. But uh, yep. it, it, it's a little bit worrying in the sense that, you know, with the talent that he had at his disposal at the Brumbies this year, he should have done better. You know, that was a that was a premiership side, or that was something very close. Yeah. And, and you know, the fact that he never really got them firing is worrying and hasn't got them firing actually for a few years. Um, and so then now he's going to go under Michael Checker's wing and, and presumably be groomed for the top job. But, you know, you think that you'd, you'd love uh, someone that follows the pedigree of a Checker or a McKenzie or or even, you know, uh, going back even further, a, a John Connolly or an Eddie Jones, someone that's been overseas, coached a super rugby side to win a premiership, um, or, you know, to some level of high success and then, you know, had a, maybe even a bit of international experience somewhere else. I mean, it, it just seems to me that Larkin was probably skipping a few steps of that. And, but then again, I think who else is out there that's doing that? Who, who is the next Wallabies coach if it's not Bernie Larkin? You know, there's no, mm. there's no to me obvious candidate, anyone that's really, you know, you hope maybe Nick Styles or someone like that that could come out of the woodwork, but, um, it, it there's no, 
you know, we've talked about Laurie Fisher a bit over, overseas. Yeah. But, um, you know, but he's not, again, you know, uh, um, he's not winning Heineken Cups or anything. I mean, there's there's a bit of a shortage there, Reg, I reckon. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, those next names, and that's it's worth delving into it. You know, you, you talk Laurie Fisher. Les Kiss is one that, you know, has been around. It's it's probably dropped off my radar of late. Um, Tatsy Taylor's up there, I think, coaching Edinburgh, also doing stuff with Scotland. Jimmy Mackay, I think he's now in Japan. I'm just talking sort of some of the Aussie coaching, coaches we know. I think Steve Meehan was with Toulon or Toulouse and might have just sort of taken a backward step with them. So, you know, there's coaches over there, but what opportunities they're getting and, and what success they're getting at the moment. But... Um, yeah, you, you just talk about that environment. That environment's just got a massive, be a massive learning one um, for anyone, for any coach sort of coming through the system. It's such high-intensity rugby, managing those big squads. You know, they're playing three or four tournaments at a time, three or four different trophies, uh, long seasons, seasons, different conditions, different types of players. It's got to really be a great test for you rather than, you know, um, a super rugby season. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't know. You maybe. Because okay, okay, so after this, Larkin's going to be full time assistant coach after this season. Um, yep. Oh, after next season, sorry. Um, yes, yes. So uh, you know, you'd like to think he might go over and do a sort of secondment, for want of a better term. You know, yeah. go send him to an NFL team or send him to you know get him out there and and trying to take in some of these strategies. Because I mean, I don't know what you would do for for six months, the first six months of the year as as a Wallaby assistant coach. I mean, it's not like you plotting out backline moves on a whiteboard in your office. Um, so, yeah, I mean, maybe, but, you know, it's a bit, it has distur- It has unearthed a, a, a bit of a disturbing lack of sort of really top-line, top-line Australian coaches overseas. And, you, just, you know, we've, we've spoken about it before, Reg. I spoke about it, um, I spoke about it in my article of, of a couple of weeks ago in the grassroots. Yep. It's something that, you know, we talk about players, players, players and those pathways, but the coaching pathways are something that are just important in many ways. And, and it doesn't seem like um, it doesn't seem like they're working as well as they they should be in Australian rugby. Yeah, mate, and, and that's exactly what I was saying. I, I don't think the issue with depth of players, it's depth of coaching and the structures around it. So, real concerns there. Um, uh, all right, the last question in our fast five, and this is an odd one. This, this is China. How's your Chinese rugby knowledge here? It's not it's not great, Rich. It's not great. I'll tell you that. No, so um, Ali Sports, which is a, the sports division of retail giant Alibaba, so a big commercial enterprise over there, has just made an agreement with Chinese Rugby that over 10 years they will invest $100 million into the development of the, of the sport in China. That yeah. is just astronomical. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that goes, won't it? I mean, I'd like to see maybe we can... Um, uh, the next CEO uh, might be someone. If we can hire, get a link to China or someone like that, we can yeah, uh, yeah. try and tap into some of that uh, that uh, Chinese cash because I mean they're they're um, they've done well for our agriculture industry in Australia and our mining and that sort of thing. I mean, who knows if we can get some investment into our get- rugby infrastructure? Then uh, I wouldn't uh, be uh, I wouldn't at all say no to it. You can you can be sure the Reds are scoping out the the, the Chinese equivalent of Goromaru now just to get <laughs> their Chinese membership uh, bases up and running. But uh, it's huge numbers. I think they're aiming for over a million participants in that ten years time. So uh, huge stuff from China. So who knows, mate? The the you know the next great uh, world force uh, beyond uh, New Zealand perhaps might be the Chinese, given those numbers. Well, and you're seeing the. I think this is just a flow on from the Olympics, isn't it? I mean that 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 legitimacy coming from the Olympics and seeing these 
sort of China and Russia and America and these sort of countries that yep. pride themselves on Olympic performance coming coming into the game and throwing some throwing their weight around and uh yeah, I mean, just another person to, for us to compete with. Uh, let's, uh, I'd say back off China, really. We're, we're struggling enough as it is. <laughs> exactly. Jesus, this global calendar we keep trying to aim for is just getting harder and harder with all these new countries. <laughs> it's easy for rugby league. This is why, you know, Australia, Scotland can get on TV. There's only four countries. They can, it's all controlled out of one element. It's the, the broadcast is so much easier when there's, uh, there's actually no, no content on the, on, on the go. Yeah, exactly. I long for that—the simplicity of four nations, Reg. It must be—it must be an absolute fantasy land. It must be fantastic. Yeah, half the luck. All right. Well, that, that might wrap us up here. You reckon uh, a good show tonight? Some good Welsh influence there with Bryn and JB. Yeah. Who do you, who's your tip, Reg, for the weekend? I'm—I'm I'm not sure what to expect out of this game. I, I'd hope the Wallabies win, and and there's a bit of a freeing of the shackles after the rugby championship. But God, I, I don't know what to expect from the team this year. Really, I—I I, I wouldn't know. I think that's the thing. We, we can't go by anything, really, can we? I, I've got that feel, much like yourself, that now that they're on tour, they bond together, um, they might they might just click. You know, uh, that, that's my hope. I think the Welsh are still coming together. They've got a few uh, players. They're, they're still uh, sort of working their way back into that. So, yeah, I'll hope the Wallabies, but who's to say? And who's to say we'll even get to see the game, mate? That's exactly right, Reg. We'll, we'll I don't know how this- we'll... We'll just next week's a, podcast. <laughs> yeah, someone. We'll just follow it through live tweets or something, and, and we'll come come in with some really good uh, hot takes on the on the game. Yeah, exactly. All right, Hugh. Thanks for joining us, mate, and to all our listeners. Uh, enjoy the rugby week this weekend, any way you see it, and I will touch touch base with you next week. Cheers,